Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Did you miss Canton and Carlin? We have Thursday Night Football. We have the Colts and the Broncos tonight. We are presented by Progressive Insurance, Chris Carlin, and Christopher Canty with you this afternoon. And this has been the question that has dogged, frankly, the Broncos through the first four games of the season. When is Russ going to be Russ? But really, whose responsibility is that? They gave Russ uh, all the money that they did. A uh, quarter of a billion dollars mm-hmm. moving forward. And yep. so far, through four games, Russell Wilson has completed 61% of his passes, 940 yards, I believe, and four touchdowns, one pick compared to last year, where he was at 72%, over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, no interceptions. The, remember the old saying that the only person that could shut down Michael Jordan was Dean Smith? Yeah, I remember I feel that. Like, I feel like Nathaniel Hackett is pulling a Dean Smith right here. Well, yeah, it has to feel that way, right? Yeah. Because think about it. Are we going to sit here and say that Russell Wilson can't play anymore? Like we had the caller on in the previous hour that said Russ has been trending in this direction, and you and I both excoriated him because we hadn't seen it. Think about it. Last year, Russell Wilson, even though he had missed time, with the thumb injury, you're talking about a guy that threw 25 touchdown passes to six interceptions and over 3,000 yards. In his last full season in the NFL, he threw 40 touchdowns to 13 picks, over 4,000 yards, 68.8 completion percentage. Russell Wilson didn't forget how to play football when he moved from Seattle to Denver. So I have to assign the blame for why this offense is getting out to a slow start to their new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, and not being able to shorten the learning curve when it comes to his new offense and all of these new players that he's having a chance to work with. I'm just at the point with Hackett where only a quarter of the way into the season, I'm almost done. <laughs> and that, that's hard to say about anybody. Well, well, I'll tell you what. If he loses tonight to the Indianapolis coach and a coach that's on the hot seat in Frank Reich without their best player in Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, he will be on the hot seat, Carlin. There's no question about that. Like, we know that the organization of the Broncos, they're committed to Russell Wilson. They gave him a quarter of a billion dollars. This is a new ownership group, the Walton Penner group. Doesn't necessarily feel like Nathaniel Hackett was their choice for head coach. Mm. And so we realize what they gave up for Russell Wilson and not getting the return on that investment, I think that creates a little shorter leash for their head coach. So we'll have to wait and see. I know there's a long season, plenty of time to turn it around, but there are certain things that are trending in the wrong direction. First of all, we've seen the game management gaffes. If you want to look at the Houston game, you want to look at the Seattle game, there have been some blatant errors that a head coach in the NFL just should not make. And then on top of that, in situational football, your team is bad. As a matter of fact, you're the worst red zone offense in the NFL. Ten trips into the red zone, only three touchdowns. You're one of the worst teams on third down conversion percentage offensively. And, Carlin, you lead the league in penalties. That speaks directly to coaching. Yep. And so I just can't give Nathaniel Hackett a pass. I can't give him any room to breathe when it comes to the criticism 
just because he was handed the keys to a Ferrari, and it seems like he's about to drive this thing into a ditch. You've got a top-five defense both in yards and points. Your offense is 30th in the National Football League. With Russell Wilson as your quarterback, with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler, you have to be better. There is no question. You have to be better, Carlin. There's no excuse. I, I just, I, I think when you're coming down to playing the way that he is right now, the first thing I'm always going to look at is the player. And I look at Russ, and he doesn't look like he's done to me. He doesn't look like no. there's any other real concerns to it. And that's when I turn to the coaching, and it drives me up the wall when a, a new coach comes in and it becomes more about the system that he's running as opposed to tailoring their offense to the players that he has. I hate the idea. I hate the idea of taking uh, some square pegs and sticking them into round holes just because you're the one who designed the game. <laughs> I mean, that's it's just it's it's so remarkably short-sighted to suggest that everybody is going to do. Uh, something well in your system. You have to tailor this to what they do well. And then, Chris, you know, it's interesting. Because it's Hackett and Reich, you brought it up, mm-hmm. the other guy's on the hot seat too. Who's this game actually more important for? I could, I can make the case that this game's more important for Frank Reich. Yeah. Because we know what Jim Ursay is, and that's probably ticked off right now. Because we've gone through at this point, uh, in essence, four different quarterbacks. You knew what happened with Andrew Luck was nobody's fault. Yeah. Then you have Brissett, uh, who look. He's Brissett. He's a, yes. he's, a, he's a good. We know backup. what he is. He's, he's a good backup. He's a good backup. And then you go into bringing in Philip Rivers. That didn't work. You bring in uh, uh, Carson Wentz for a first round pick. That didn't work. And that was Frank Reich's guy. And now we're on to Matt Ryan, and seemingly that is not working. So. Frank, how many chances are we going to get here? How many bites at the apple are we going to get with different quarterbacks before you can actually make it work and for this team to win some games? If I'm Ursay, I'm getting a, a, an itchy finger right about now when it comes to Frank Reich. It's amazing to see how many head coaches Carson Wentz can get fired, right? It's going to be three. It's going to be three <laughs> at the end of the year yep. if things continue to trend the way they are for the Colts and for the Commanders. But you're absolutely right. Frank Reich is on thin ice with Jim Ursay because of that huge swing that they took with Carson Wentz and shipping off a first-round draft pick to the Philadelphia Eagles in order to get what they thought was their future franchise guy. They were tired of the quarterback carousel, and I can understand that when you're going with Phillip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett in the wake of Andrew Luck retiring. I completely understand wanting to stabilize the position. You just went with the wrong dude, and you vouched for Carson Wentz with your general manager, Chris Ballard, and it could end up costing both of them, Carlin. Now, remember, this offseason, they got rid of Carson Wentz before Matt Ryan became available with the Atlanta Falcons. They didn't know where they were going to pivot to with their next quarterback. But Jim Ursay had seen enough. And, and he listened to his comments. He said, you got to have a quarterback in the playoffs that can get you over 30 points. And I think he looked at what happened at the end of the regular season against the Las Vegas Raiders in their own building and against the Jacksonville Jaguars down in Duval, where they, where Carson Wentz put up a four QBR. Yes, a single-digit QBR. I, I, I've never seen that before. I didn't know that was a, possible. A single-digit QBR. That's the problem with the Colts right now, and it's not. It's off to a rocky start this season, and I don't know that Matt Ryan is going to be able to resurrect this thing. I, I just don't, especially without the benefit of a strong running game. Their running game is absolutely abysmal. They haven't been able to get any mileage out of it at all. 
And so when you look at their situation, there isn't a whole lot of hope for Frank Reich to pull his team out of this nosedive. So I'm with you. I think this game tonight is more important for him than it is for Nathaniel Hackett. But make no mistake about it, I think both coaches could be on the outs at the end of the year. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio in the ESPN app, wants you to be a part of the show on the Dr. Pepper call-in line at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. With this game tonight and, frankly, with the weekend, which team is in a must-win in week five. Want to hear from you on that topic? Lines are open for you at 888-729-3776. Up next, LeBron is going all in. That's next. ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. The ESPN app to watch the show. Just open it up, click watch, bang. There we are. You're welcome. Morris in Virginia up first here on ESPN Radio. Morris, what's going on, buddy boy? How are you? Hello, gentlemen. How you doing? Great. I listen to this show every day. I listen to a lot of the national shows, but I also listen to KOA in Denver on iHeartRadio, which is the Broncos station. Mm-hmm. And the national narrative, I've actually talked with the host there, one of them, ex-Bronco, Big Alfred Williams, was there right now, and I just sent him a text saying that I was going to ask you guys to call him because the narrative that you guys are giving is exactly opposite of the narrative in Denver. And Are they killing Russ and, and they're, they're play, game, praising Hackett? You, yes. You keep going back to game one and game two. First of all, that offense, everybody who played in that offense to begin with, they sucked when they played in it. That was when Aaron Rodgers was saying, R-E-L-A-X. Everybody who played in that offense, at the beginning of it, they struggled. And then all of a sudden the offense exploded. Why does Hackett only get three games? As a new coach, but everybody else gets years. Oh, um, Mike, uh, what's his name? Shanahan? Not Mike Shanahan. You know what I'm saying. Kyle, Kyle Shanahan sucked his first two years. He won three games the first year. He won six the second year. But Hackett gets three games. Come on. That is not the narrative in Denver. What's Kyle hard? Shanahan didn't have Russell Wilson his first two years. Come on. That's the point. He's got Russell Wilson. He's got a top five defense. And they lost to the Seattle Seahawks quarterback by, I'm sorry, Geno Smith. Stop yourself. 
I don't care what the narrative is in Denver, being patient with the Denver Broncos' new head coach. They can say whatever the hell they want. They can drink the orange and blue Kool-Aid. We're just trying to give to you straight, no chaser. The reality is that when you look at the head coach, the game management issues that happened in the first two games should never happen. But, Carlin, you pointed this out. You said it. When you're new to both jobs, being the play caller and being the head coach, trying to do them both simultaneously, some things are going to fall through the cracks. That's exactly what we saw. On top of that, they're the most penalized team in the league. Who are we going to pin that on? Russell Wilson? Is it his fault or is it the head coach's fault? All of these things, they're bad in the red zone. Is that all on Russell Wilson or is that on the head coach? They're terrible on third down. Is that on Russell Wilson or is that on the head coach? We keep coming up with excuses as to why we don't want to blame Nathaniel Hackett. The reality is Russell Wilson is going to be there, whether you want to blame him or not. We know Russell Wilson can play. He's a Super Bowl champion. We don't know if Nathaniel Hackett can coach. That's why Russ gets the benefit of the doubt when we start trying to assign who has more blame in the situation and why this team isn't better. And who is going to get blamed by the people that matter? The coach is going to get blamed first. Because we can get rid of the coach. Exactly. You can't get rid of Russ. And I also think that fans are immediately – Especially when they're local fans in that town. Yeah. They're immediately going to point to the guy that just got a quarter of a billion dollars and say, what the hell's wrong here? Yeah. They're going to point to him, and Russ is a polarizing figure to begin with. So Is he polarizing, though? I I mean, I I think a lot of people don't like Russ. A lot of people might not like Russ. They might say he's corny, but when Jeremy Fowler did his poll of executives on top ten players. No, I'm talking about fans. Yeah, and that's fine, but most executives in the National Football League have Russell Wilson as a top 10 quarterback. As they should. As they should. I think he checked in at eighth on that survey that Jeremy Fowler did. All right, let's hit up the guru. He is up next on ESPN Radio, and uh, he's self-proclaimed, apparently. What's going on, guru? <laughs> What's going on, fellas? I know the last time I called, I was stumbling my words. Like, That's like, okay. Uh, like the quarterback from the Jacksonville Jaguars, but. I do agree with y'all. You know, Daniel Hackett, you can see it from game one. When the lights was big, he didn't show up. He didn't know what to do. He was confused. And the Colts, I mean, as far as the Colts go, I mean, it looked like Frank Wright's out the door. No matter if they make a push or not, I think it's done. He's done. So, so Guru, who do you like tonight? I like the Colts. I know everybody's going to go with the Denver Broncos because they're at home and there ain't no uh, – uh, Taylor, but of course, you know the Colts still got that good defense, and they do travel as well, right? Now, mm. we want to put a wage. You want to put a pie in the face for that too? <laughs> I mean, listen, both defenses are good. Both defenses are really good. Like the Denver Broncos defense is fourth in total yards, and the Colts defense is sixth. So both of the defenses can ball. It's a matter of which offense you have more confidence in getting on track tonight. And I gotta say, it should be. The Denver Broncos. It should, be. it should be, but I can't say that with my chest, and that's the problem. There's no Jonathan Taylor for the Indianapolis Colts. Can you name me the Colts' number one wide receiver? Michael, Michael Pittman. Pittman Jr. Yeah. Do you know what a number two? A rookie, Alec Pierce, mm-hmm. Jelani Woods, Mo Ali. Like that's who Matt Ryan has to work with. On the other side, Russell Wilson has Cortland Sutton. He's got KJ Hamler. He's got Jerry Judy. He's got Melvin Inc., Melvin Gordon. I mean, he's got weapons to work with. And yet the offense is 30th when it comes to scoring points. 30th. Carlin, there are only two teams in the National Football League that score fewer points 
than the Denver Broncos, and they got Russell Wilson. That's a damn shame. Doesn't feel like a formula to win. No. You know what it is, though? What is it? It's time for Kenny or Canty. All right. It's one of the game shows that is just sweeping the nation. Let's do it. Kenny or Canty? The question is simple. Kenny or Canty? But only one man can answer. That's right, and it's Canty. I will rapid fire questions Canty's way. He will tell me, Kenny or Canty? Yes, we stole it from Get Up, but we don't care. He's here. It's our show. No, it's my intellectual property. Exactly. It's got my name to it. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing Candy or Candy before I was on Get Up. Exactly. Can LeBron James bring an NBA team to Las Vegas, Candy or Canty? He can, and he will. I just don't know if he's going to be the majority owner, Carlin, because these franchises are selling for billions of dollars. Mm. And I know LeBron has got his hand in a lot of pots. He's a part of an ownership group with the Boston Red Sox. He's a part of the ownership group with the soccer team, Liverpool. Don't forget about the pickleball team. The pickleball team. How could I forget? (laughs) Got to love the pickleball. Um, So, yeah, I do think the NBA would like to keep LeBron James as an ambassador, especially when they go through this expansion process. It can only be viewed as a win, but I just don't see him being the majority owner of a team. Can Steph Curry win a fifth NBA title before he retires? Can he or can't he? He can. Why can't he? The depth that the Golden State Warriors have? I mean, listen, I know that Draymond Green and Jordan Poole got into a fight in practice, but Draymond is an agitator, and he's the guy that keeps the edge for the Golden State Warriors. So I actually like the direction that this team is going in. The continuity that they have, the emergence of the young players, Jordan Poole, Jonathan Kaminga, we'll see what Wiseman brings to the table. But they have enough pieces around Steph, Clay, and Draymond to get it done again. Can the Giants beat the Packers in London Sunday? Can't they or can't they? Can't they? Can't they? Can't they? They well, I would say they, but I'm just going to say he can't. And by yeah. he, I mean Saquon Barkley, because that's all the Giants have <laughs> on the offensive side of the ball. Whether Daniel Jones plays or not is irrelevant. It's really about Saquon and making sure you can get the ball to him in a variety of ways. And even though that Packers run defense is suspect, I don't know that Saquon can do enough to deliver the dub across the pond. Two more, 30 seconds. Can Bailey Zappi lead the Patriots to the playoffs, Kenny or Canty? He can't. Now, I think Bailey Zappi will show a lot better than people anticipate, and he'll surprise some folks with some wins now that they're in a soft part of the schedule, but they ain't going to the playoffs. Can Jalen Hurts lead the Eagles to a 7-0 start? They're 5-0 right now. Cardinals and Cowboys next two games. Can he or can't he? He can, and I expect that he will. They're going to be undefeated going into the bye week, and out of the bye week, they got the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they got the Houston Texans. So, dare I say, this team could – oh, and the Washington Commanders and the Colts after that. They could be 11-0, Carlin, before their next test against the Green Bay Packers. Bonus round. Can Baker Mayfield keep his starting job all season, can he or can't he? He can't. He can't. He can't. They ain't got a lot invested in him. That bet on yourself thing that Baker Mayfield did this offseason, how's that working out for him? Mm. Left $19 million on the table from Cleveland. He's no Aaron Judge. Uh, uh, that, uh. your weekly edition of Can He or Can't He, Absolutely love it. This is Canty and Carlin. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hey, what's going on in Washington? And why have we been asking that question entirely too long? Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. 
Shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Interesting game tonight. You've got the Colts and the Broncos, two teams that absolutely need it. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Jason Reed, senior NFL writer for Anscape and author, Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America, joins us right now on the phone. Jason, it's Chris Carlin and Chris Canty. We appreciate the time. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. No, we appreciate it. And, you know, the book is outstanding, Jason. I'm curious as to right away when we kind of play it into what's going on in the league right now. We look at somebody like Lamar Jackson, and he has taken this season and bet on himself. When you look at Lamar Jackson through the lens of having written this book, what do you see? Well, I mean, I see a guy who's clearly in the MVP discussion. He's tied for the league lead in touchdown passes. He's he's running the ball as, as well as ever, um, you know, for, for, for any position, let alone a quarterback. And you know, he's someone who bet on himself because he's already won an MVP award and he did not, uh, you know, apparently like what the Ravens have offered to this point. So, you know, I, I don't look at it in the context of the book per se because I don't see anything, you know, disrespect uh, toward Lamar. I think the Ravens are a very good organization and they're they're taking a stand on where they are right now and Lamar's betting on himself and I think that, you know, so far the bet's working out pretty well. Jason, another bet that's working out pretty well is the Philadelphia Eagles bet on Jalen Hurts being their quarterback. What have you seen from him this year, both in terms of his production on the field, but his overall leadership within that organization? Yeah, man, you know, I think so many people who said that Jalen Hurts could not be a an NFL quarterback – they don't know how it burns inside of this guy to be great. You know, I've had an opportunity to talk to him and to talk to people who have worked with him. And, you know, this has been coming for some time, this 4-0 Eagles start and Jalen Hurts showing that, you know, he's a guy who's making things happen. Um, Props to the Eagles for going out and getting him weapons on the outside. He's got some dynamic receivers to work with, and that defense is outstanding. But Jalen Hurts is making things go for that team. And, you know, saying a team staying healthy in the NFL, no one ever stays healthy in the NFL because of the way things are. But if that team stays relatively healthy, I can see it making a big move this season and that young, that young man being a big part of it. Jason Reed, who is, of course, Antigape senior writer on the NFL and author of Rise of the Black Quarterback, What It Means for America. Jason, I've asked you this question before, but for this audience, what does it mean for America? Well, you know, here, here's the thing. Quarterback is a uniquely American leadership position. Well, let's take it away from the football field for a second. If you are someone in corporate America, 
and you're leading a big project for a company, a project that the company needs to succeed, you're considered the quarterback of that project. If you are a doctor and you're trying to get somebody through a difficult medical procedure in which many doctors are going to be involved, you're considered that person's quarterback. When we think of quarterback, we think of the best among us. We think of the brightest. We think of the person who inspires everyone else. And so, you know, historically, black men were not permitted to play quarterback in the NFL. So what did that say about America overall? So when I look at the rise of the black quarterback, what it means for America, what it means is, is that when, when the playing field becomes somewhat level, not completely level, but somewhat level, and we're all allowed to compete on our merits, our intellect, our drive, that any one of us can rise up and contribute to the fabric of the greatest country in the world. Talking with ESPN senior NFL writer Jason Reed. And, Jason, I want to take it to the nation's capital, D.C., because according to a report from the Richmond Times-Dispatch, owner Daniel Snyder sent a letter to the House Oversight Committee that's investigating his workplace practices over the past two decades with the Washington Commanders. And apparently the letter, uh, the gist of it was that it was the investigation itself was a politically inspired hatchet job. Now, do we have any insight into when we're going to receive the findings of the Congressional Oversight Committee's findings? And do we have any insight into the NFL's investigation by Mary Jo White into the Tiffany Johnston allegations toward Daniel Snyder? No, you know, guys, I have to admit, I do not believe that there is any any, uh, timeline for both of those things to be laid out. What I would say is this. It's a horrible situation with that organization. I mean, you know, and I'm not breaking any news there, obviously. But, you know, I covered that team first as a, as a beat writer for several years and then as, as a columnist when I was at the Washington Post. And so many of the things that have come to light over the last few years are things that, you know, you heard about, but people wouldn't go on the record about it. Well, you know, once people started going on the record and all these investigations were launching, you just see how toxic the culture is there. We're really at a point where, regardless of what these what, what is publicly announced, the pressure is just going to always increase on this owner because of the workplace structure he has set up. And, you know, it, it would be a, a leap to say that he's not going to still own this team. I, I don't think we're at that point yet. But clearly this is a major embarrassment for the NFL. And Jason, Jason, just as a follow-up, in light of what we've seen other sports leagues do, particularly with the NBA and how they've handled the Robert Sarver investigation and then putting public pressure on him to, to sell the team, could we see an instance in this case with the commanders where the other NFL owners decide that they, they think it's better for business if Daniel Snyder was no longer a part of the NFL? Well, I really think it would depend on what is made publicly available. You know, there's no guarantee that the league is just going to lay out everything that occurred here. Uh, you, you know, if it's a situation where owners are just so angry that he's hurting their business, that would be one thing. You could see pressure being applied for that. But, again, it goes back to what does the public learn? Because, if you know, the situation you talked about with Sarver – I mean, the public learned a lot there, and there was pressure applied to get him out. But I mean, that's going to be a that's going to that's going to take a lot for I believe NFL owners to go that route. Jason, awesome stuff. We appreciate the time. The book "Rise of the Black Quarterback: 
what it means for America. It's a great read. We appreciate the time, man. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Nope. Jason Ryder. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Nope. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> no, he's he's a frat brother of mine. Oh, uh, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know what thanks, that means. Like, what? Don't worry about it. It's all right. It's an inside thing. All right, well, it threw me up and called him Jason well, listen, Ryder. Listen, 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 ball mama, you, there's, there's, some, there's some things that you might not know about. It's okay. It's all right. Wow. If you know, you know. And if you don't, just keep it pushing and drive the show. <laughs> wow. Keep your nose out of it. There you Jason go. Jason Reed. <laughs> Rise of the black quarterback, what it means for America. Check it out. It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Will Daniel Snyder ever be stripped of his ownership? Maybe we are closer than ever. We'll discuss next on ESPN Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Tom Brady speaking up uh, today uh, when he was asked about football this year and the quality of it, and Tom was not really mincing any words. I think there's a lot of bad football from what I watch, you know. (laughs) I watch a lot of bad football, a lot of, yeah, poor quality of football. That's what I see. No lies told? No lies told, but what do you expect when you don't see starters playing in the preseason? And this is a phenomenon that started a few years ago. I think Sean McVay was one of the first head coaches that was at the forefront of this movement, but coaches aren't playing their starters in the preseason, and we saw a reduction in preseason games, so we went from four to three, and the expansion of the regular season. So that means that each game throughout the course of the year matters just a little bit less. And so I think coaches are more apt to use the preseason or use the first quarter of the season as an extension of the preseason. Now, that's been the mantra for Bill Belichick for a number of years throughout the Patriots dynasty, but it feels like that's what more NFL coaches are doing. They're keeping their guys healthy throughout training camp, not putting them in harm's way in the preseason with guys that won't be on NFL rosters. And then once we get to September in the regular season, seeing more of a feeling out process in terms of finding an identity or forging an identity that they're going to have for the remainder of the season. Okay, but let me ask this question. First of all, when we're talking about playing guys less, I understand that there has to be a fear of getting guys hurt in the preseason. Sure. But there has to be a balance here because the only way to get ready is to play. And that's what I don't understand. Like, I get it. It's a lot I don't want to say use the word easier in training camp, but it's a lot easier in training camp now than it used to be. There are not two-a-days. There's not any of that stuff anymore. So at what point do we come to overprotecting the players? And then you run into having maybe a few more injuries at the beginning of the regular season. Well, I think the thought process is, well, I'd rather my guy get hurt in a meaningful game than get hurt in a game that's just an exhibition. What about the idea of getting, if it's not, a severe injury. Getting my, I'd rather my guy get hurt in the preseason rather than during a regular season. All right, Chris, I, I'm not. What? I, I want to. You rather your guy get not, hurt in the preseason? Meaning, like if it's not a severe long term injury. Okay. Not 
have him blow out his knee in the preseason. No, I hear where you're coming from. Here's the deal. Like, these coaches are using these joint practices in training camp as yeah. de facto preseason games. Right. And they're saying, I got they a chance. They are playing those guys I got a chance for one-on-one, like, like one-on-one competition. And I don't mean individual competition, but meaning the starters for one team versus the starters of another team in a relatively controlled environment because you're not tackling to the ground and you're not hitting the quarterbacks. So I think coaches are opting for that but it still doesn't replace being in an actual game and feeling the adrenaline in the stadium on that lights on. I do have to wonder what it, what exactly it's going to take. We just heard Jason Reed talking about Daniel Snyder, and he didn't think that it had quite reached the point yet of Daniel Snyder having to be stripped of the team. It's Canty and Carlin uh, on ESPN Radio and Wait, on the ESPN a, app. There's a reason for that, though, Carlin. We haven't seen the findings of any of the reports, right? Yeah. The NFL went as far as to ask Beth Wilkerson not to have a written report when she did her investigation. Now, they wrapped it around the excuse of not wanting to, you know, jeopardize the anonymity of the people that oh, came, stop it. That stepped yeah. up and actually spoke up about what was happening in the workplace over the last two decades. But we know the real reason. The NFL didn't want to see it in black and white. They wanted to have some degree of plausible deniability just in case something else were to come out and, you know, it embarrassed the commanders further than what had already happened. And my point is this, Carlin, if you've got all of these different instances from the sexual harassment, the cheerleader scandal, the, uh, I guess, the unwanted advances that Daniel Snyder himself had with Tiffany Johnston, if you've got all of these different things, and you're talking about having multiple witnesses of workplace harassment and a culture of misogyny over the last two decades, at some point, don't you have to take a stand if you're the NFL? If you want to be at the forefront of all of these different social issues, don't you have to step up if you have an owner that falls short of the standard that you claim to stand for? I don't understand why they wouldn't. I mean... Is it just that Daniel Snyder knows where a lot of bodies are buried right now? I mean, honestly, hey, listen, Chris, honestly, with, with with Daniel Jones or Daniel Jones, Daniel Snyder, when you have the when you put out a nine page letter that has a, a basically a tone of hostility and call it a political hatchet job, are you kidding me? With everything that we know about your organization already and everything that's been done to your organization already, I. I get it, and I'm not making a political statement when I say this. The most effective way these days, it seems, to combat these things is to go over the top in your rebuttal to it. But this is no the best way to more com- than insulting. Carlin, the best way to combat these things is to have complete transparency. Waive the non-disclosure agreements from all of the settlements that you've made with former employees. So we can see exactly what happened within the organization. But then they can't say sure. it's a politically inspired hatchet job. But, the, but, that's, my, but that's my point, though. <laughs> I if, know. If, that's not going to happen. Well, well, okay. So if it's not going to happen, you can't get the benefit of the doubt with all of the different instances that have popped up over the, over the course of your ownership, over your tenure in the team. Let's call, it, let's call it what it was, okay? For the league to not get a written report was gutless. It was gutless yep. and fearful 
to uh, that it's going to get leaked. Yeah. And we're all going to know how bad it is. We all know that it's much worse than any of us would have dreamed because otherwise you would have a written but report. But, Carlin, it looks so much worse when you look at how the NBA handles issues like this. Absolutely. Not just the Donald Sterling situation with the Clippers. No, so look at how they handled Sarver. They got Wachtell Lipton, one of the most reputable law firms in the entire world, to investigate all of the allegations. Or what happened to Ime Adoka at the Boston Celtics. They bought in a law firm to investigate the allegations. Look at how they handled those incidents of workplace misconduct and how they tried to clean up those things and how they tried to address them with swift and decisive action. And if it means removing an owner from the team, they're willing to take it there. Uh, it's I don't understand why the NFL can't follow suit. It just It's just a bad look. The longer this goes on and the more things come out about Daniel Snyder and the commanders. And you can hire Jason Wright and have the first black male executive, that a team president. That's all well and good, and we're all about that. But you can't use that to cover up everything else that you've done that stinks to high heaven over the course of the last two decades. They did the same thing with a couple of other hires, too. And it's sickening to me that this continues to go on with this owner in particular when we all know how bad things are. And even with Sarver, it's funny. Like, I have never gotten this impression with the NFL as I did with the NBA after thinking about it for a little bit. The NBA announces their suspension for Sarver, right? Mm-hmm. I, I really get the impression that Adam Silver knew what was coming in terms of the public pressure yep. and knew that the situation would just kind of take care of itself. And so he could stand there and with his owners say, hey, listen, I tried to do the best I could here, but, you know, public pressure, we got we to gotta move on. And that's what happened with Sarver. And he was going to go kicking and screaming, as we know, even about the suspension. I think Silver did that uh, very much on purpose, knowing he'd have to sell the team. I do not think that that Roger Goodell has ever done anything like that to force Snyder into a uh, bad situation because if he wanted to, those details would have gotten out there. Yeah, you would have had a written report from Beth Wilkerson. That, that's what I don't get. Why is it so bad for the league to make Dan Snyder look like the just uh, predator is not the word, but awful guy that he is? Why is that bad for the NFL and every other owner if you're handling yourself the right way? I, I guess the attitudes and the behaviors are more pervasive throughout the NFL than we seem to know. And maybe Daniel Snyder is the one that's on front sheet right now. Mm-hmm. But that's the only reason that I can think of why they wouldn't want a written report, why they wouldn't want to be completely transparent in this instance, because Daniel Snyder would then point the finger at other owners that have had misconduct in their own right. And, and, but this is not this is not whataboutism. But, you know, Jerry Richardson got pushed out for basically the same kind of stuff. Yeah, and he had a consolation prize of $2.2 billion. Right, and I'm not saying that Snyder won't have his consolation prize. And he prize. will, and he will. And that's the thing that I don't understand about the league. When you come in as a player, you are told it is a privilege, not a right, to be a part of the National Football League. And it says in the personal conduct policy that owners are to be held to a higher standard than players. So if the players are coming in with the understanding that this is a privilege and not a right, then why aren't we doing the same thing with the owners? We've seen enough from Daniel Snyder to say, you don't deserve to be a part of the National Football League. You're not holding the standard in the values that Roger Goodell and league officials profess that they stand for. So if that be the case, 
then why are you still an owner? Why are you still allowed to be a part of this? They had to suspend you a year, and they had to fine you $10 million. Okay, that's all well and good. That amounts to a slap on the wrist for a man of Daniel Snyder's means. You know what really hits him? If you take away his toy. If you take away the opportunity to be a part of the National Football League. Because you know what? He just becomes another jackass with money. Yeah. That's what it is. But now, with the Washington Commanders, he's somebody that's important. At (laughs) some point, the NFL has to take a stance that they are serious about diversity, equity, inclusion. They are serious about protecting people in the workplace and making sure that those are not toxic environments. They've got to make sure they are serious about protecting the personal conduct policy and enforcing the policy that they have, not just with the players, but also with people in position of power. Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.